Hi, I'm Corey Litzenberger from CGLTax.ca, and this is Brainstorming Plus Tax. In this episode of Brainstorming Plus Tax, we are going to look at a few examples of different fiscal year ends of a corporation and how they can be used to your advantage depending how you want your business structured. There are fiscal year ends that are motivated for simplicity, and there are other fiscal year ends that are motivated for when the business isn't very busy. There is the tax deferral motivated fiscal year end, and then there's my personal favorite, which is the best snapshot fiscal year end, which I will describe later. So one of the most common questions we get from a startup corporation is, what should my fiscal year end be? When you start a corporation, you have to pick a fiscal year end within the first 53 weeks of your incorporation date. The year end is not officially set until you file your first corporate income tax return. However, you likely want to set up your GST year end to match, and you need to do that when you register. To this extent, it makes the most sense to decide your fiscal year end when you first incorporate. So what do you pick? The first obvious answer is the calendar year ending December 31st. This is the most common for people who didn't know what to pick or didn't know they could pick. This can be one of the worst fiscal year ends to have when considering tax planning for any kind of deferral, especially on startup as your corporate income tax and GST would be due by the end of March and your personal taxes by the end of April. By the way, you will now be on installments for both of those going forward, which means your cash flow in your first spring is going to be very negatively impacted. This could be a problem if you need working capital in the spring for things like inputs, for example, in the case of a grain farming operation. However, if you are insistent of having a calendar year-end, consider it to be January 1st instead of December 31st. Most businesses are closed on January 1st, and it's not a bank date, so reconciling your bank statements really won't change. For many small businesses, the transactions are nominal, if any, and it will allow for any tax on an extra dividend that the owners wish to take out to be deferred to the following personal tax year, therefore allowing for cash flow planning as a result. It is also common to have this type of fiscal year end for investment holding corporations under the assumption that all the tax slips and annual trading summaries will be easier to reconcile. However, there could be some timing problems with December 31st year ends because you have to issue your T5 slip by the end of February and you have to pay your taxes by the end of March likely before you receive all the slips you need from the investments in the mail. The second obvious answer is the last day of the month, right before the full 53 weeks are up. This avoids paying those pesky accountants and bookkeepers and lawyers until you have to. For example, if you incorporated in November, you would pick an October 31st fiscal year end. These next few are not as typical. The first ones are more tax motivated, but the last one is the one that I like the most, from a long-term planning perspective. Keep in mind that any tax deferral you get from a fiscal year end is only kicking the can down the road for up to a year. You will still have to pay that tax, just not yet. Having said that, here are some interesting planning options. There's an old favorite of some practitioners called the bonus down fiscal year end of July 6th or later. This is because corporations, other than farming and fishing, are required to file their corporate taxes on the accrual method. This means if there is an expense, you get the deduction to reduce your corporate taxes, even if you have not paid it yet, subject to certain restrictions, of course. One such restriction is the requirement that a bonus be paid no later than the 179th day after the fiscal year end to which it relates. So if our fiscal year end was July 6th, 
we would have to make the payment no later than January 1st of the following year. Now, you may think this gives you a six-month deferral on your income tax. However, it is only roughly a four-month deferral. You see, if your fiscal year end was July 6th, you'd have to pay your corporate income tax on October 6th. But since you did a bonus reducing your corporate income, the tax you would have to pay on that bonus is due on the January payroll withholding requirements, which could be as late as February 15th in the following year. This gives the maximum tax deferral from this option at 132 days, not six months. Another tax deferral year end is September 4th or later. This is beneficial if you want to pay bonuses to staff through an Employee Profit Sharing Plan, or EPSP. The corporation can get a deduction for amounts payable to an EPSP as long as they are paid within 120 days to the EPSP trustee. The allocation to the employees of the trust would then be received in the following year and taxable at that time. There is no CPP or EI or income tax withholdings required from distributions of an Employee Profit Sharing Plan, so please make sure your employees, including yourself if you happen to be one, are saving up for the tax from that plan. As a result, the September 4th fiscal year end in the first calendar year of year one would be allocated to the employees in the second calendar year, and the tax would be payable on April 30th in the third calendar year of the recipient. If the owner is an employee, this could result in a deferral of up to 511 days compared to paying corporate income tax three months after year end. Now those sound great, but let's be real here. Most small businesses need their financial statements for only one other person other than themselves and the government, and this would be the bank. Income and expenses, even in a seasonal business, will look normal in any 12-month period you pick, so why does it matter? The key is the balance sheet. The balance sheet is a one-day snapshot of the health of your business. The best health you can show is when your current assets greatly outweigh your current liabilities. Now, when I talk about current assets, I'm referring to cash or near cash or accounts receivable. Let's take an accounting firm, for example. Ignoring tax implications and strictly looking from a business financing perspective, an accounting firm looks terrible on December 31st. It is common that firms are renewing their software licenses and public practice insurance and although many of them would still be considered prepaid expenses on the balance sheet, they do not have the same impact to a banker on a statement as the cash and receivables do. The December 31st accountant is also likely spending money on recruitment costs for new tax season employees, draining the bank even further. They possibly gave out Christmas bonuses or had a December staff party, also draining the bank. They have a bunch of stat holidays, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, and possibly New Year's Day if they use a Jan 1 year-end for payroll and very little production to offset them because no one likes sending out an invoice to a client at the end of December. Merry Christmas, here's my bill. So if you were to take a picture of an accounting firm's balance sheet on December 31st, it would likely look terrible. But what about an April 30th year-end right at the end of tax season? Now while a 12-month income statement from May to April won't differ much from a January to December income statement, the balance sheet view is night and day, like any seasonal business. Cash and receivables on April 30th would likely be the highest it would be all year. Payables would be current because of the influx of cash received able to pay the bills and you would want to pay them down to improve your ratios. For example, if you have $30,000 sitting in cash and receivables and you have $10,000 in current payables, your acid test or quick ratio would be 3 to 1. If you took 5,000 of that cash and paid off 5,000 of payables right before your year end, 
Now your ratio is 25,000 in cash and receivables to 5,000 in current payables, or five to one. Either scenario makes your balance sheet look better to a possible lender compared to having your regular payables, but not a lot of cash and receivables. By changing the date of the balance sheet snapshot and keeping your current payables in check, the ratio analysis performed will improve dramatically to a financial institution when they are considering lending to the corporation or the owners. So to summarize, this year-end option is not as much tax motivated as it is snapshot motivated. It would be when your balance sheet looks the best to anyone that may end up reading your statements to make decisions on lending to you or buying the business from you. So take a minute and ask yourself, when does my business bank account look the best? When do I have the most receivables? And maybe that's when you should have your fiscal year end, regardless of tax deferral opportunities. Now, for those of you who are sitting there saying, well, thanks for telling me now, because you've been in business for a couple of years, you can still change your fiscal year end subject to approval by the minister by contacting the Canada Revenue Agency. And they will usually approve a change in your fiscal year end, provided your tax is current and paid up, your filings are current, you understand that you'll have to have a short tax year that year. So, for example, if you want to change from a January 31st year end to a August 31st year end, you'll have to file a tax return that is only seven months long. But doing all that might be worth it in the long run because now you'll have the better picture whenever you go to the bank. The CRA will usually approve your request to change your fiscal year end, provided that the change in year end is not tax motivated. And in this case, if you are going with the option that I provided at the end, then it wouldn't be tax motivated. It would be likely based on the business cycle of the operations. Changing your fiscal year end to match the cycle of your business is very common. I'll be shocked if the CRA does not approve it. And with that, for CGL Strategic Business and Tax Advisors, I'm Corey Litzenberger. Thanks for listening.